0: This gospel ends with an amazing line. It says, The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, is greater than John the Baptist. The least in the the kingdom of heaven. So, the kingdom of heaven is, in one way you can look at it, is the church, the church militant, us, who belong to God, who are disciples of Jesus. The least among us is greater than John the Baptist. And that's saying quite a lot because John the Baptist was quite amazing, right? John the Baptist was uh, born in Ain Karim. His mom was Elizabeth. You know the story of the visitation, Mary pregnant with Jesus visiting Elizabeth. But from a young age, he went to live in the wilderness, which in that area, it's, um, it's like rolling hills. And so he went out into the forest or to the remote places to be with God. So you can imagine the Texas hill country, the rolling hills. So he went uh, out away from where people were to be with God, even as a young child. And then uh, when he came of age, he became a prophet, preparing the way for Jesus. So he went to the Jordan River. And the reason he went there at least it was a good place to go anyway, is because uh, there were travelers that were going for the feasts up to Jerusalem. And they would go along the Jordan River on the Jordanian side. So if you know the Holy Land a little bit, the Jordan River kind of goes right between Israel and Jordan. So he all of the people from the north, Nazareth and Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, they would go along that side of the river, and then they would cross the fords uh, there near Jericho and go up to Jerusalem. And there was this place, Bethany. It was a house for, uh, a place where travelers who were weary, who needed some time of rest before going up to Jerusalem where they would stay. And so that's where John the Baptist was. He was probably caring for those who were pilgrims going on the pilgrimage pilgrimage feast up to Jerusalem. And there he also began to proclaim repentance and preparing people for the coming of Jesus. Prepare the way of the Lord. So John the Baptist is quite amazing and even giving his life for uh, Jesus and for the protection of marriage. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. How is that? Well, John the Baptist was preparing for Jesus, but you and I have become another Jesus or another Christ in the world. That's what God has made us to be. So when we were baptized into Jesus Christ, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are to become another Jesus because of our baptism. We've been marked. Our souls have been marked. When we come to the Eucharist, we receive Jesus so that we can become what we receive, another Christ in the world. John the Baptist didn't get to receive any of the sacraments. He was filled with the Spirit as a prophet, but he did not receive the sacraments. He did not experience the kingdom of heaven like we do. So we are to become greater than John the Baptist. So what does this look like? I'd like to tell you a little story from my time in the Holy Land. Uh, I lived in this place uh, called Tantour. It's a small college campus. Um, There's about 50 people that live there. It's right outside of Bethlehem in Jerusalem and uh, there's a a, a big wall that separates Bethlehem and the West Bank uh, from Jerusalem and lots of workers have to cross the wall and go through the checkpoint to get into Jerusalem every day because the money and the jobs are in Jerusalem and uh, so all of the workers from Bethlehem cross over. And it's uh, quite oppressive, actually. Uh, they're almost living like in a ghetto uh, in, in Bethlehem. Uh, but the people, they come to work every day, and they work and build roads and do all of the, the kind of um, menial tasks in Jerusalem. Well, there's also workers that worked at the place where I was at, and one of those was the head chef. he's a very talented Christian man and a very joyful man. And... Um, so his name is Isa. Now, there was one time when they closed down the checkpoint because the tomb of Rachel is nearby, and the Jews were having a, celebrate, uh, a pilgrimage, really, to her tomb. So they shut down the checkpoint, and no, none of the, the Bethlehemite people, the Palestinians, could cross the border. And so, uh, but Isa came, and he stayed on our campus as our chef, and he also then... Well, there's some soldiers that came and were on the rooftop of our buildings so to keep everything safe. Um, and these soldiers were, had their automatic rifles that they were carrying around in our hallways. So right outside of my room, uh, there was a, a soldier carrying, walking around with automatic rifle. That's not very settling, right? I was, I was actually quite angry um, and frustrated. Like, why are they doing this? What, are they, what do they think this is? And it was interesting to watch Esau, who lives under this oppression every day. He took uh, coffee and sweet bread to the soldiers. He took them meals. uh, And he just conversed with them and and shared God's love with them in his joyful way. So that was the first day. The second day, as they were getting to know each other, they said uh, to him, well, so where are you from? He said, I'm from Bethlehem. And they kind of took a step back. You're from Bethlehem? We've never met anybody from the West Bank, from Bethlehem. Uh, And so they started to talk and uh, get to know each other better. And then by the third day, they were taking selfies and giving each other hugs. They'd become brothers, right, over food and coffee. What is striking to me about that is uh, many times going through the checkpoints or just with the soldiers there, I was getting angry and frustrated and, but I was only there for three months. Isa lives under this. Uh, he has friends that have been arrested for no reason. He lives under this oppression. And instead of expressing anger towards these soldiers, who are the very soldiers who guard that, that wall, uh, he chose to share God's love with them, to give them coffee, to, to treat them with kindness and love. He was really being Christ to them, another Jesus in the world to them. So that was a a real humbling thing for me to say. Wow, Jesus, this is what you're asking me to do. What's also sort of uh, perfect for this story is that Isa in Arabic means Jesus. So he was Jesus was being another Jesus um, in the world. So this is what God calls us to do—to really to live out the beatitudes in the midst of the world. So to be like Isa, a peacemaker. Someone who is meek, uh, who could have, in a sort of proud way, uh, kind of demanded some respect, but instead he chose to be meek and humble. Uh, he was seeking righteousness, hungering and thirsting for righteousness to follow God and his ways. And this is what God calls us to do. In our first reading, we get a, some kind of an analogy, a glimpse of what this looks like Isaiah the prophet is talking about the desert and how the desert will bloom. And indeed, that happens every year. The summer, everything is dried up. The the desert area, the Negev, south of uh, Jerusalem, the south of Israel, and then towards Jericho, all of that is desert, and there's hardly any plants that grow there. But in the middle of October, it starts to rain, and it rains into the early spring. And so the desert starts to bloom. So grass starts to grow, and then you see these beautiful flowers, these little purple flowers and other kinds of flowers growing up where there was no life. This isn't an, a, um, what God wants to do is just to make flowers grow in the desert, right? This is a spiritual analogy that God wants life to bloom in a place where there is no life. And that's exactly what Isa allowed to happen by following the Lord God. In a place where there could have been anger and resentment uh, and hatred, he chose to follow the Lord Jesus and because of that, there was a flowering of goodness, of love, of brotherhood in that place. So this is what God calls each of us to do, to be another Christ, to, in the places where there is a desert, where there seems to be no life, but through God's life and his love to bring that. In our homilies that are the theme of these last couple of weeks has been our parish mission statement, to meet, know, live, and share Christ. So at the beginning of Advent, we talked about uh, meeting Jesus Christ, to know our Father's love as a beloved son of the Father, right? So Esau couldn't do that unless he was convicted that the Father in heaven knows him and loves him, that he belongs to our Heavenly Father. And then to know Jesus, that is, uh, and Father Will last week in his homily encouraged everybody to read the Gospel of Mark. This is a test. Did anybody read the Gospel of Mark this last week? Okay, I, oh, I see one. Great. I'll, I'll report to Father Will. You'll have to answer to him. Um, <laughs> so to know Jesus, but especially through the Gospels, because Jesus is so good. He is the one who is perfectly faithful to the Father. There is no fear in him at all. He entrusts himself fully to the Father. So get to know Jesus and meditate on his life through the rosary and those things. Because we, to be able, for us to be able to be like him, we have to know him. And then, of course, uh, to, to be like Jesus in the world, and then finally to share Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about that next week. This week, I encourage you to uh, look at the Beatitudes. So Matthew chapter 5. So I'm going to give you a shorter read, reading assignment than Father Will did. So it's just Matthew chapter 5, the first 14 verses or so. Read the Beatitudes this week and ask the Lord to show you what, in what way is he calling you to, to be Christ in the world, uh, to be another Jesus in the world, to make the desert bloom. And then I encourage you to, to look for ways to remind yourself that you belong to Jesus Christ. We have all been marked To live in the kingdom of God with this indelible, invisible mark on our souls. Uh, But sometimes we forget that that's there. So we need reminders. And like the sign of the cross with holy water when we come into church, that reminds us, yes, I belong to God. Sometimes there's other things like um, uh, a piece of jewelry, like your wedding ring or a cross that remind you of that. I have a personal story to share with you. So when I was in the Holy Land, uh, I got a tattoo so, um, I never plan on getting a tattoo, okay? So, um, this is the only one that I have. Um, but I got a tattoo of the Jerusalem cross right here on my wrist. Now, pilgrims to the Holy Land have been getting pilgr- or, um, tattoos to mark their experience for many years. There's a tattoo uh, parlor shop that's been there for 800 years, 26 generations. So they've been doing this service for people. And even Christian families would tattoo their children with a cross, like right here on the hand or here, so that if something happened to them, everyone would know that this is a Christian child, that they belong to God. So a conviction arose within me to say, I I want to have something that uh, marks me as permanent, that will remind me every day and throughout the day, that I belong to God, that I am to be another Christ in the world. And so every time I look at my watch, I see this tattoo. It is a reminder of that, that I belong to God. So I invite you to think about what is something you can do uh, this week to remind yourself that you belong to God, that you are to be another Christ in the world. Now, parents, if you're afraid that your children may want to get crazy tattoos, Father Mike Schmitz has a great video on the reality of tattoos, what's, what's permitted and what's not. So, Father Mike Schmidt's YouTube video on tattoos. The least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, than John the Baptist. You are to be greater than John the Baptist because of what God has done in you. Because he wants to make you another Christ. He wants to make the desert around you bloom with flowers.